a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Heretics Christianizing the American dream. Your hands are the carriers of the DNA for prosperity, increase, abundance, wealth, and favor. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Been very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you with I'm asking you to brush your hair. That's what God commanded. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 118. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. the Evangelical Norm. So, the Master's Dog is a podcast where I deal with false teachers, false doctrines, false theology, false churches. If it's false and it is coming against the truth of God's Word, then as the quote from John Calvin at the beginning of the introduction says, I bark. And this started out as a podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted. So our friends over at Saints Unscripted, uh, LDS uh, podcast, formerly known as the Three Mormons, they started a segment called Faith and Beliefs. And they were going through the articles of faith of the LDS church. Um, And so I wanted to respond to those videos uh, to break down how they don't line up with biblical Christianity. And then they continued on past the 13 Articles of Faith and continued on talking about doctrine. And I made a commitment that I was going to respond to every one of those videos. So that was Faith and Beliefs Refuted. Uh, A couple years back, I guess, it, it has been. Wow, it didn't seem like that long, and sometimes it seems so much longer. Um I expanded it to just deal with all kinds of false teachers. We do the false teacher of the week, stuff like that. Changed the name to the master's dog. And here we are. Uh, I do have one quick confession to make. And that is it was bound to happen. And one night it did. um, And then we go into a Garth Brooks song that I think of. Every time I say the phrase, it was bound to happen. If you know, you know. Um, I skipped. I have skipped a video of Saints Unscripted, because this one was just pointless. Um, It's the argument that people, and I don't know many people that actually use this, but the original Book of Mormon on the title page, Joseph Smith is, is listed as the author and proprietor. And so the entirety of this video that, that David did this last, the, the video that I skipped is explaining that Joseph Smith had to put himself down as the author and proprietor because that what was that was what was required by copyright law. He couldn't put translator, he couldn't put any of that. He had to put the requirements. So that's the argument that the reason that he is listed as the author is because he couldn't be listed as anything else. Bottom line on that is there is zero evidence of translation. What did he translate? Gold plates that were hidden or buried or this or that. What did it, Baba? And then an angel took them back to heaven. 
There's nothing. There's no original manuscript. So what we have is a book that was produced by this man, which we know has plagiarism and so on. So yes, Joseph Smith is the author. Bottom line. And so I skipped the video because I'm way behind. I'm trying to play catch up. I had... I've got a dental implant that I'm getting ready to have. I got this gap in my face, which is just horrible, horrible, and I'm very self-conscious of it. I'm, I'm realizing I'm starting to have a little bit of a lisp as I'm talking, and it's killing me. But I cracked a tooth. I got to get a new one, and I couldn't do podcasts for like two weeks because my face hurt. And so, rather than do a rather short video just to play this video and react to it. I just said, all right, I'm going to skip it. So commitment is is done. I've gone back on my word. I haven't responded to every single one of the videos, but go watch it if you want to watch it. I guess I can put the link in the description. You can go watch this video and find out. But my answer, my reaction, my total reaction to this video is until you can provide for me gold plates, written on with reformed Egyptian that blah, 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 or whatever that the, the, the Nephites left behind, unless you can show those and produce those, there's zero evidence of, of translation. So that means, yes, Joseph Smith is the author. Bottom line. There it is. That's it. So then now we're going to get into, now I got to go through... Uh, get rid of that picture. Okay, there we go. And so today we are going to get into the next video that they've done. And then I'm going to do another episode after this for the uh, the last episode that was just done two days ago. And I will be fully caught up on uh, the Saints Unscripted stuff. And then I can feel a little better about myself. Hopefully I'll get a Let Me Tell You episode out this week. And um, I've got there's always stupid things Jory Micah says. So those are, those are in the can ready, waiting to go. Well, not early in the can. Those are ready to be recorded live. Cause we, I do all those live. So maybe I'll do one later this evening. I don't know. Um, and then I've got a bunch of stuff for unsolicited. So there you guys go. I'm, I'm trying to play catch up. I'm getting there. A lot of stuff, a lot of content, hopefully coming out in the next couple of days as I'm off for a couple of days, and I'm feeling better to the point that I can actually do videos. So uh, thank you all for your support and patience and so on. We're still seeing new subscribers. So again, if you will like and share the video, that tells Mr. Algorithm to uh, send this video out to other people that might like it, and then we can gain more subscribers and continue to grow um, and see this podcast continue to be successful in what it is to uh, defend God's truth and to proclaim the gospel, um, which I don't do in every video, but uh, we, I need to work on that. That's a, that's a, that's a reality. I need to work on um, sharing the gospel in every video or more often so that those who watch aren't just getting the negative of this is wrong or these are false teachers or this is false doctrine. But here's the reality of, of what is true. So um, with that, we're going to jump into this video. David is going to take us down the road of uh, does the Bible get it wrong? 
and this was again, this was another episode that was really bound to happen. And, um, so yeah, it, it, this is, this is, um, what am I trying to say? It, this is going to be the beginning of him trying to convince you that, that it's okay that there are things wrong in the Bible, that that's what Mormons believe that the Bible's not accurate, accurately translated in every sense, as long as it doesn't agree with them or doesn't disagree with them. And so this is testing those waters is basically what this is. So let's jump in. And I I think there's been other videos that have come out um, through here that I've responded to that have had kind of the same theme, but uh, we'll talk. So we'll let David go ahead and do what David does and tell us just how the Bible got Matthew 5.22 wrong. All right, guys. So if you haven't noticed, there are a lot of different versions of the Bible out there, each one slightly different from the next. Most of the time, those differences between Bibles aren't earth-shattering and just amount to different methods of translation and phraseology. Moses yeeted the sea. What do you mean he yeeted the sea? Yeet! The end result okay, as far so as the ultimate meaning again, goes is I've pretty- gotta re- I've got to come back to the thing. By taking those ridiculous little videos and putting them in, it what it what it's intended to do is psychologically make you go, oh well, this is not really a big deal. It's funny. We can laugh about it. We can, oh yeah, you know, haha. no, this is a big deal. The to cast dispersions upon the Bible as God's word is a huge deal. I mean, it is part of of Orthodox Christianity to recognize the inerrancy and sufficiency of the Bible as the word of God. Now, granted, yes, there are lots of different translations and there are some that are horrible and some that are better. uh, And we have what we'll call and we'll get into the textual variants and stuff like that. But overall, and yes, we don't have the autographs. We don't have the original gospel that, that Luke wrote down or that Matthew wrote down or any of the, the actual letters that came off of Paul or whoever his scribe was off of that pen or quill. We don't have the original um, paper or, or papyri or whatever that uh, Elijah or Isaiah or any of these other things were written on. Elijah is not a book, you know. Um, kings or you know whatever but what we have we have i'll get well might as well thousands upon thousands of manuscripts that we have that we can look at and we can compare and we can corroborate between the two or the thousands and we can get to the point where we can go what we have as the bible is really 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 accurate you know, in the 99 point something percent of what we have is accurately translated and uh, preserved in the word of God, in, in, in the Bible. So, and then, then you get into, you know, versions and bad, good paraphrasing and so on. But, so, the reason why the yeet did is because it's to make it seem ridiculous so you're more likely to go ahead and just buy into the fact that, oh, well, it's not a huge deal. 
that this guy is telling us there are errors in the Bible and that the Bible has errors. So that's why that's there. Consistent. That said, there are also some differences that are more significant, that do change the meaning of the text. And I'm not just talking about the 1631 Bible where printers forgot to print the not in thou shalt not commit adultery. You had one job to do! In this episode, I just wanted to introduce you to one more complex example for you to take home and mull over for a while. I think it can help refine our paradigm of what scripture is and perhaps what it is not. So again, let me prep you with some All right, some so let's take a closer Bible. look at a verse from arguably the most important sermon ever given in the history of the world. The words of Christ from the Sermon on the Mount, specifically Matthew 5.22. Here's what the King James Version says. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Here's what the English Standard Version, or ESV, says. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Did you notice anything different between these two versions? In one of these, you're not supposed to get angry at all. In the other, it's okay to get angry if you have a good reason for it. So angry right now. I'll offend your beautiful hand and your beautiful foot. They teach two very different things, and I don't see a way for them both to be correct at the same time. So which one is it? This isn't a meaningless textual difference. Both versions agree that judgment is at stake. Both of these versions of the Bible are very popular and have been revered by Christians as the word of God for a long time. But one of them gets the words of Christ in this verse wrong. Blasphemer! We don't have any of the original manuscripts of anything found in the Bible today, so we don't know what the original said. The oldest manuscript we do have is Papyrus 67, which omits without a cause. Thus, you shouldn't get angry at all. That said, scholars Daniel Judd and Alan Stoddard, whose work I'm using a lot in this episode, compiled a list of the earliest and most reliable manuscripts of Matthew 5.22, and most of them do include without a cause. The debate over the correct reading dates back to the early Christian fathers themselves. The 4th century Catholic priest who translated the Latin Vulgate Bible, Jerome, said, In the authentic codices, the statement is unqualified, and anger is completely forbidden. For if we're commanded to pray for those who persecute us, every occasion for anger is eliminated. Without a cause, then, should be deleted. The Catholic bishop John Chrysostom, who lived at the same time as Jerome, disagreed, saying that he who is angry with cause will not be guilty, for without anger, teaching will be ineffective, judgments unstable, crimes unchecked. Like early biblical manuscripts, early Christian fathers were divided on the issue. Early English translations also didn't agree, and as mentioned previously, the English translations we have today also do not all agree, though today the vast majority have removed without a cause. Scholar Bruce Metzger wrote that although the reading with without a cause is widespread from the second century onwards, it is much more likely that the word was added by copyists in order to soften the rigor of the precept, than omitted as unnecessary. In other words, this could be an example of someone messing with the Bible. That's for blasphemy. That said, if without a cause shouldn't be there and it's wrong to get angry at all, then was it wrong for Jesus to be angry in Mark 3.5? What about righteous anger? 
Scholar David Allen Black argues that this Matthew 5.22 question is still an open one. Now, my goal in this video is not to tell you which version is correct. I just want to dip your toes into some of this complexity and get you thinking. Whoa. For example, does this Matthew 5.22 issue... Okay, so for him to say, because he is actually going to come at some point in time go, well, this is one that I think is correct. Uh, so to say his, to state that his goal is not to tell you which one is correct. Okay. But what his goal is, is to dip your toe in, to get you, essentially it is to get people accustomed to the fact that with these translations and stuff like that, some of the Bible is wrong. So believe us when we change these things in the Bible that are very clear and, and, um, what is the word that I'm trying to think of? Uncontested uh, teachings throughout history, but Mormonism has changed it. So we want to get you used to these possible uh, errors so we can convince you that these other errors are mistranslations and so on, even though they're things that are uncontested, things like the Trinity, things like uh, salvation by grace alone, um, that, uh, and so on, you know, heaven or hell, not three levels of heaven, no, no baptism for the dead, stuff like that. So, and I, I'm predicting that as after this, cause we're going to get the next video is, is a little kind of similar, but we're going to get into the things where then he's going to start going, well, this is why we don't believe that the Bible is right when it talks about the principle of the Trinity. And I'm sure he'll have in there, well, the word Trinity, excuse me, the word Trinity is nowhere in the Bible. And they'll use that. And then they'll explain to you why they think that the Trinity or the baptism for the dead or any of these other things. And, but they've already prepped you with this. And I'm going to break it down a little bit here in a minute and show you why this is really not that big of a deal, but it is, and it's not, and, and we'll talk about it here, but let him finish. ...issue pose a problem for the idea of biblical inerrancy, or the idea that there are no errors in the Bible. Well, from a Latter-day Saint perspective, this isn't a problem because... We don't believe in biblical inerrancy. Our eighth article of faith teaches, we believe the Bible to be the word of God as far as it is translated correctly. And they'll let you know when it's translated correctly. That's the key. As here, he's going to say, well, I'm not here to tell you which one is right. But ultimately, at different points in times, they are going to go because of the doctrine of the LDS church this is why we think that this is translated correctly. So they get to determine that based on their doctrine. And that's where this is going. This is, this is the prep for that. So just know that. We do consider the Bible to be inspired scripture, but we also believe that it was written, translated, transcribed, and transmitted by fallible human beings. So we do leave room for potential errors. Interestingly, while the KJV Bible, which Latter-day Saints use, does contain the phrase, without a cause, this phrase is not found when Christ repeats this sermon to the Nephites in the Book of Mormon. It's also eliminated in the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. Latter-day Saints are grateful for additional scripture like the Book of Mormon, which, among other things, helps to clarify and corroborate what is taught in the Bible. This Matthew 5.22 debacle also may not pose a problem for those who... So again, 
They want you to see the Bible through the lens of the Book of Mormon. It clarifies. The Book of Mormon clarifies. No, it doesn't. Who do believe in biblical inerrancy? Because, as I understand it, inerrancy technically only applies to the original manuscripts of the Bible, not to the Bible in your hands today. One popular evangelical platform reports, so far as the original autographs have been faithfully copied, translated, and passed down, scripture is inerrant in its copies. Of course, again, we don't have any of those original copies, so it's impossible to verify that claim. In my mind, that sort of throws a wrench into the whole concept. That said, the idea is that we do have a large quantity of very old... Okay, but yet, you will continue to, to believe that the Book of Mormon is the most correct book of any book ever given to man, and a man can get closer by its precepts than anything else, but yet, it was translated by a man. It's been changed thousands of times, and there's zero manuscript evidence for it. None. Old manuscripts from different times and places, which largely agree with each other. So we can be confident that what we have today is likely fairly true to the originals. But when it comes to the Bible, the fact is that the text is sometimes not always as squeaky clean and clear cut as we'd like it to be. Sometimes there's more to the story, more information that may or may not challenge and hopefully refine your paradigm of what scripture is and perhaps is not. And the Mormons can give that to you. There are things you might need to prayerfully chew on for a while. And on that note, if you want to dive deeper into this topic, check out the resources in the YouTube description, and have a great day. Alright, so... Let's break this down a little bit. What we have here is what we call textual variance. And I am not James White, and I am not an expert on all the textual variance. So... I cannot, I, and I'm not going to pretend to give you which one is accurate, which one is actually, you know, I don't know. Again, he, he threw up a lot of things, and so, I, you know, without a cause, with a cause, whatever. This is why we have what we call systematic theology. When we can take all of Scripture and look at it, and then we, we look at Scripture through the lens of Scripture, not through our emotional, not through, you know, other thing, you know, not through the Book of Mormon, but we can look at all of Scripture and we can go, okay, here Jesus said, if a, brother is, if a man is angry with his brother, he is in danger of judgment or without a cause. But we see other places throughout Scripture where it tells us, in your anger, do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. We see the fact that Christ was angry. Christ never sinned. Christ was not in danger of judgment. So, yes, Righteous anger is not a sin, and we are not, um, you know, we, we are allowed to be righteously angry or angry as long as there is a, a valid cause. And then again, that's even speculative. Is, is my cause valid? Something that needs to be prayed about and so on. But we can see that anger can be a, a attribute of God, which means it's not necessarily sinful unrighteous or uncaused anger is murder in the heart. It is you are in danger of the judgment. But we do know, and that's and that may be why, where that came from and why that was interpolated at some point in time later in the text because 
somebody probably preached on this or some early father or even could have been an apostle. Paul maybe gave some kind of message to the church and this was like, okay, well, without cause is a viable thing to be put in there. No matter what, again, the autographs are, are inerrant, the overall, and and does this really change to say angry without cause or just not angry? I mean, either way, we're going to fall into this sin. Whether, I mean, whether it's just anger not being allowed, which by systematic theology, we can see that that's not true, that you can be angry. When somebody attacks the truth of God, God's word, when a man comes out and says, I am going to challenge what Jesus even told you, and a man comes out and says, I have more to boast about than even Jesus, you can be angry. And that's righteous anger. When Joseph Smith comes out and makes a claim that, that he did a greater work than even Jesus did by keeping the Mormon people together, that is a righteous anger. You can be angry with that. The deception that comes from the LDS church can righteously be angry. But at some point in time, I'm going to fall into the sin of unrighteous anger. Everything that Jesus uh, addresses in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to be guilty of at some point in time, and I need to repent and put my faith in the fact that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin. And so it's not by my works that I maintain or anything to my salvation. It is in him that my salvation is one. Again, it's the gospel that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. And it's all his work that brings us salvation and none of our own so that no man can boast. Joe, Mr. Smith, false prophet. Right? So, again, whether it's without cause or just don't be angry, we are going to fall into that sin. And again, the Bible points us to the fact that we need a Savior. We need to repent and put our faith in Christ. So I'm always going to end up falling into one, whether I'm not allowed to be angry at all or angry without cause. some point in time, I need to repent and trust Christ. And then I'm going to trust the word of God to be inerrant and sufficient and not need anything else, any false prophecies that are given in the Doctrine and Covenants, any deceptive book that was not written by Abraham's hand and is proven to be so in the, the Pearl of Great Price. And I don't need a plagiarized uh, fabrication of Joseph Smith's imagination in the Book of Mormon. And maybe I need to repent for being angry at that. But Christ paid for that sin as well. And it's in his work that I'm saved and not of my own. So it doesn't give me the freedom to sin. But the knowledge that if, if I misunderstand that concept, then my sin is paid for and I can repent and trust in Christ that he's paid for it. Because he paid the penalty for my sin on the cross by his works and I am saved through my faith in him and the grace that comes from him to the glory of God alone and nobody else. And there you have it. So hopefully you found this helpful. Hopefully this was good. I got another one coming out here. I'll probably kind of space these out an hour apart 
as I release these these episodes so you can digest the first one before you jump into the next one. So uh, coming up soon, in a couple hours, you'll probably see another video, uh, episode 119. And we'll talk about uh, a little bit of something from the Book of Mormon. So thanks, guys, for taking the time to watch. Again, hopefully you found it helpful. Um, share, like, subscribe, do all that stuff um, to, to benefit the growth of the podcast. And thank you again. And as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.